1: Welcome to Building Sustainability Podcast with me, your host, Geoffrey Hart, aka Geoffrey the Natural Builder. Every fortnight, join me as I talk to designers, builders, makers, dreamers and doers, exploring the wide world of sustainability in the built environment by talking to wonderful people who are doing excellent things. Hello and welcome to episode 84 with Gervais Mangwana. Uh, This episode is part two of our three-part conversation, uh, this time focusing on retrofit and ventilation. It might be worth going back and listening to episode 83 first. It's about how he got to where he is uh, and his Enerfit project uh, and previous retrofit projects come up too. Episode 85, which will be released in the next week, will be the concluding part focusing on airtightness. I'm recording this intro at the same time as the other Gervais episodes, so not much to say other than to remind you of the August Patreon competition. Any new supporters or increased supporters are entered into a prize draw for a pack basket Uh, that's hand-woven by me. It's big enough to take you shopping, foraging, put your picnic in it. Choice is yours. Uh, The link is in the show notes or patreon.com forward slash building sustainability uh, go and have a look at the picture of what a pack basket looks like, uh, if you don't know. And then, uh, yeah, good luck. Okay, enjoy Gervais, and be mindful that there might be a few little swears that pop out.
2: Heat pumps for very small passive houses. Dricky. Tricky. You know, we're still yeah. looking at air-to-air things and, yeah, it, it's a bit of a... And, and yet, heat pump has absolutely got to be the way to go. It really has got to be the way to go. Because? Because um, the carbon intensity of the grid is, is falling. Um, so, you know, in the retrofit conversation at the purest end has been... You know, so like within the acb so this conversation is changing with the ACB, and there's kind of quite a lot of work at the moment going into sort of looking at a new guidance i guess you could say so the acb sort of certainly around the time i was involved or like engaging with it uh in, in a retrofit sense was it probably informed me not getting a heat pump here it was like you know do your fabric first do your fabric as much as you possibly can um we're not too sure about heat pumps yet, actually, because cause electricity bad, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and now electricity ooh, not so bad, and all fossil fuels bad. So, um, you know, and, and electricity is definitely on a trend towards less bad, and fossil fuels is, you know, still fossil fuels. Mm. So, you know, now the kind of thinking is well actually the single easiest thing that you can do to reduce your carbon, to reduce your carbon, is to change to a heat pump. That's the biggest win straight off the bat. Um, and so there's a conversation about okay, how much should we be retrofitting in order to make that viable?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, because there's a couple of other things around around that is like very deep retrofit, like I've done here, is very expensive, very expensive, very, very expensive. And I, I wouldn't recommend anything. And I frequently don't recommend oh, anything really? to my clients.
1: That's fascinating. Yeah.
2: I mean, I wouldn't say that I, like, quite a lot of my clients obviously come to me because they know that I've done an Interfit. Um, So, and they're attracted to it in the same way that I was. And the, the great thing about Enerfit is that it's, and the attraction of it to me was, you know what you're getting. Mm-hmm. You know, you've worked to a standard. Yeah. Um, and obviously you can make yourself another arbitrary set of targets. For ENFIT, it's 25 kilowatt hours square meter um, space heat demand um and an air tightness of one you know brilliant you know where you are but you also know that somebody thought about that quite a lot yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so whereas yeah. you, if you make another one up for yourself you're kind of you know it is a bit arbitrary and perhaps a bit harder to to keep to as well because you know it's quite hard to keep targets but if you're trying to get a certified benefit, then you damn well need to make sure that you've you've done it right um and that that really helps you with that as well and that, that i think that's one of the major selling points of passive house certification and the acb retrofit standard which is um sort of double both of those 50 kilowatt hours and, and air tightness of two is great it's a great backstop and still uses phpp and so i kind of push people down that, that route a little bit more
1: and so so sort of in terms of uh you're doing less less insulation and less cost sort of meeting somewhere in the middle to get the uh, heat pumped so you're if you're talking purely about decarbonization and yes, uh, I haven't said that very well. Maybe you can, <laughs> you can
2: explain. Yeah. Well, it's, it's purely thinking about decarbonization really. Um, yeah. I think because, and this is the difficulty um, is because of the price of electricity. Um, unless you do a fair bit mm. and you know, it's different for different houses. This is the problem. Um and we're trying to sort of do that, trying to kind of box it into the sort of some, some types, if you will.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, it's going to end up costing people more to run their homes than it does now. Yeah. And, and that is not a great sell in no. the current climate. <laughs> um, in the current climate, you know, more so than ever, you know. Yeah. Which, from my point of view, is because I, you know, I'm sort of, I'm giving this narrative as the kind of, the kind of group. Message a little bit because I'm kind of loosely involved in this uh, in this debate and and you know some modelling work that's going on and some you know some conversations about it. i doing some stuff with that um, with Andy Simmons and Alan's been involved and Clark's been involved and Tim Martell. There's lots of email threads going on around it. We've looked at a few different options and um, yeah, it, it, one of the sort of initial ideas was well, okay, let's get the airtightness done because um, that's a big win. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not worry so much about the much more difficult and more expensive and carbon burp, they're called carbon burp. So that's that's one of the big things about retrofit is, like, if you're going to do deep retrofit, there's inevitably a big carbon cost right now, this minute.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, materials, transport, you know, all of that stuff has got to go in now. So, you know, how much are we paying in carbon now to save carbon? And can we afford to do that? um that that is definitely a question that needs to be had and i you know i'd sort of argue that NFIT, and unless done with that in mind it, you know is quite possibly a bit too much
1: yeah um, and
2: also because the nearer that you get to those you know the more that you're having to shave off the more that you're having to put on to do that you know there's that diminishing returns of insulation depth yeah um and so that's more material for less win you know as you get toward there so There's always that argument of, like, you have to put in 80% more for the last 20% or something, which seems unbelievable, but it's probably true. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think I I definitely – the cost is a big thing. So most of of the clients that I have would love to do an NFIT, but realistically, their budget doesn't doesn't stretch to it, especially as often they quite often want to do an extension and have some other things as well. Yes, the the whole (laughs) remodel. Yeah, exactly. So I really did this as an exercise in, well, I, we knew it was, we knew it was our forever home.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, uh, you know, we knew we were going to be here for 20 years. So is that forever? That's forever enough. <laughs> forever enough. Yeah. Well, I'm 53 now. So, you know, you don't know what's coming. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not 53. I'm 52. Um, <laughs> just make myself older.
1: Um, <laughs> I've got a question for you. Um, and I think, you sort of answered it earlier, but did you ever look at upfront carbon and what the at what point the payback will happen of your house no
2: I haven't done it no i should i mean
1: that's that's the always the interesting thing isn't it the yeah. the certainly in terms of like you know, x p s or wood fiber or e p s by, by yes yeah, yeah. yeah. you know the the upfront carbon comparisons um yeah, yeah
2: sure i th- i think it's inevitable that wood fiber would win out on that one i yes. think oh, yeah, my I gut think... feeling would be that yeah i yeah. wonder by by just how much because yeah
1: the the argument that we need to be saving carbon right now you yeah, reducing that burp yeah yeah it's interesting but okay well next question would be um have you worked out what it would be in terms of cost like a cost payback would it will it
2: ever pay back well, that, that's that conversation has just changed. Rapid. Radically. Yes. Yeah, it?
1: I suppose so. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. So. Um,
1: oh, wood fiber versus. No, just I mean, just thinking about your house.
2: Yeah. I mean, I always tell people it's not going to pay back. Retrofit is not a payback. You know, this is a classic thing. It's like, in fact, I saw this on Twitter the other day. Um, oh, you just bought a new electric car. Great. Love it. Oh, you look at your wonderful new kitchen! Isn't that isn't that beautiful? You'll be able to cook your dinner much better in it. Oh, you've had to me WI done. What's the, pay- that, what's the payback like on that? <laughs> um, yeah, it's yeah. I, I think if people have money to invest and conscience and comfort issues, so I do. I do this. What I do is a retrofit assessment, and it's the people powered retrofit have been really kind. They let me use their tools basically privately. So I don't do the full report they do. Their their process produces an 80-page report, which has got loads of wonderful information in it. Um, And I gave that to my very first client here, and he worked for GCHQ. And he bless him, he read it all. And and even he struggled. And I thought, I can't do this around here because I haven't got the Carbon Co-op sort of support network that goes with it and all Mm -hmm. their workshops and everything. So I now write bespoke reports. But I use their software and some of the graphics and stuff out of it to inform... And I use the same sort of framework. So we assess the house as it is and model it in SAP as it is and use that to compare it with their existing consumption to try and sort of stress test the model a little bit to see if it kind of makes sense. The way they heat their house, how, how long they heat their house and to what temperature, if you can know that. And that's a whole podcast in itself, let me tell mm-hmm. you. <laughs> um, yeah, really fascinating. Um, and then we've, suggest three scenarios and and the first one's usually a light touch this is the way i do it it's usually like what could you do relatively easily for very little cost mm-hmm. and then but the next one is, is that
1: is that sort of insulated plasterboard that sort of level
2: or? uh no it varies from 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 house to house so in the ones i've done recently they're like they're these kind of cobbled together a bit of stone some empty cavities that were built in the forties and the seventies mm-hmm. is fill the cavities, get your cavities filled. Cause you can, you know, yeah. and it's relatively cheap and, um, and you won't, you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't get in your way. You know, it's not like, yeah. And then doing some, you know, moderately good air tightness work, getting some ventilation in, which is a step backwards usually. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's using more ventilation than they've got at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh and you know getting the loft sorted out properly because they, they you know almost always they think they've got their loft insulated and they kind of don't yeah well they do but they know it's crap in some way so yeah they're kind of the easy wins or maybe their windows are like definitely need replacing so do the windows and yeah. you'll get some air tightness out of that you know whatever so it does it does vary from case to case but usually to be honest it's an exercise for me to say this is not going to make much difference for you you know yeah. this it's basically a way of saying, and, and this is what my I've always seen the, the the assessment process that I do as. It's a decision-making tool for people, really. It doesn't give you specifications. It doesn't tell you what to do and how to do it. Very clearly doesn't do that because I don't have the insurance for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it does instead is kind of it's, it's an eye-opener. This is what you're up against. You came to me because you wanted this. And and this is what you're you know, this is what you're faced with. Mm-hmm. So then the second scenario is usually kind of pushing it to what I see as their what I call their practical limit. So this is like, you know, you said to me you can't move out for more than a week, right? So we're not smashing your floors up. Yeah. Your floors are probably not going to get insulated, yeah, for example. Or you know, we just can't see losing space in our front room and we know that we can't externally insulate our front room. So, you know, so those kind of things. So I try and I try and push them a little bit beyond what, you know, they perhaps were imagining. Um, and then the third one, I usually try and push it as close to what I call towards zero. So it's just the next person who comes to your house hopefully can use what you've done. And then they can take it to this level and they can get MVHR and they can get the air tightness down to one. And that wall that you didn't think you could do, they do. And they are going to be smashing floors out. And the reason mm-hmm. they can get the MVHR in is because it's their, it's their new house and it hasn't been done for 20 years because you did it. So they can strip it all out and get the ducting in. Yeah. Which you're not going to do because you like your decor the way you just did it mm-hmm. two years ago. Um, so how do we get on to this? Uh, you asked me a question, I think. Uh, we were um, talking about sort of cost payback. Um, yes, right. So part of the process is a kind of questionnaire. So this is what I was talking to you about this before. So I love I love my job so much. I've been doing it all the way through the pandemic, um, managed to go into people's homes pretty much because there was a job, because it was work, somehow yeah. it was allowed. It seemed very weird, but I was still going up to Manchester where nobody could go anywhere. And I was coming from Hereford, going to Manchester, going into people's homes. And I sit down with them and we go through a questionnaire but most of it is about finding out people's relationships with their home, how they use it, people's relationships with each other, mm-hmm. people's relationships with comfort, people's relationships with their guilt about the amount of energy they're using, which is, you know, really interesting stuff um, because, you know, there's, there's this been narrative that they've been, you know, had voiced. In. So people, you know, living in people who are not, people who are not fuel poor, living as if they are through guilt you know that's quite common you know people with very very strong consciences who just feel like it's not right they know that their house is very very leaky and as a result they're not heating it and you know they have mold problems for example because they only heat their room their house to 17 degrees because they don't want to turn it up more because carbon ah! so that kind of stuff you know um and very often they're people who've been in their house for a very long time um not always some of them are quite new but Often they've been in there for over a decade. So they've got a very good eye. They've got a, a relationship with their property.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, so we go through this questionnaire. And one of the questions in that is, this comes out of the PPR stuff, is people-powered retrofit, is um, what are the drivers for retrofit? And there are six options. And almost, I think they're, they're carbon, cost, comfort, air quality, modernisation, and health, which I think is sort of called air quality as well. People almost never say health. Sometimes people say air quality. Often people do have modernisation wishes, but very often they don't. In fact, probably more often than not, they don't. So almost always now, people have the same three drivers, and that is cost, running costs, comfort, and um, carbon. Mm -hmm. And so... You always have to, on the cost thing, you always have to say, well, you know, it's going to cost you more than you're going to get back to save the running costs. And people are interested in that because they see their lump sum as different from their, not their everybody. Day-to-day. yeah. Yeah, but people, you know, especially because quite a lot of these people are in later life, later life and they've got, you know, they've got a bit of money tucked away and they're now like, what should I really do with it? And they're starting to think, you know, whatever it was that they previously did with it, you know, maybe expensive long haul holidays or whatever is is no longer become possible (laughs) you know so that that whole narrative changed down i mean my my work just exploded after the first lockdown literally i I could almost couldn't cope for a while yeah um i think people there had been a huge xr thing in that january massive january 2020 so people kind of almost went into lockdown with this kind of xr kind of exposure and, and then they
1: sat and looked at their houses and
2: then they were sat in their houses. Yeah, exactly. So they came out the other side, like, actually I really need to do something about this. Mm. Um, and yeah, although I, you know, I don't have any time for marketing and we are talking about marketing. I like, I started the process of building a website of oh, like six years ago, but I started more in earnest and I've got somebody to help me last November and I still haven't got it. But you know, it, it does crop up that I could kind of could do with it because people want to see something, but mm. I don't, I don't need it you know i'm not i don't need it um it's just it's just sort of come by i don't know how it's come really but it's it's coming and it, from all over the country there's a case study on green building store of of this place and you know that just generates a little bit of you know so they do come like i had one in nottingham and you know they're, they're in places that aren't really appropriate and I then i try and find them somebody and, and there's nobody you know they're, yeah. they're just there aren't people doing this they're, there's great people doing it in manchester there are pockets of places where it's getting done but generally to this level it's not really being done and it's i you know i like i said i think it's a massive privilege this this process of being in somebody's house and learning their relationships it feels so intimate um i love it i really really love it um and we were talking before about you know as an ex-musician the kind of creativity of it and that kind of connection i guess um that you get you know, I kind of—I think I'm a bit short of good friends, um, and I think I've always been short, a bit short of a best friend. I'm very much a kind of meet new people kind of person. I know a lot of people a little bit, and as a DJ, that was—you know—like I was always meeting new people.
0: Mm.
2: And uh, but I do that, I do that now, and I kind of, yeah, it's 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 a quite a process to go. It's fairly short-lived, you know. It lasts about sort of six or eight weeks. This assessment process, and some people now, and especially now, I am starting to go on with people and take them on to their process which is really gratifying because um you know one of the big problems we've got is uh, a capacity problem we've got a capacity problem with assessment but that's just really the beginning and it doesn't get you even a specification as i've mentioned so we've got a capacity problem with design and we've got a capacity problem with implementation uh, but we're starting to address that now it's starting to happen um, so you know there are projects now moving on into getting done you know and i'm staying involved with them and that's that's really great that is really great. But it is, it's is—it's a short relationship. But when I kind of get in touch with these people, again, we've kind of been through through something together. They've kind of come over a, yeah, they've come over a hurdle of some sort, which was, uh, it's ignorance, basically. They've, you know, a yeah. veil of ignorance has been cast aside and they're kind of, they can see what, you know, what needs to happen and they've grasped principles. And yeah, it, it's really, it's really, it's really lovely. It really sounds lovely. like
1: you, um, you sort of take them on a, a little journey of discovery, both you know, how yep. they live and you know, what they actually desire, and yeah, it's quite yeah, a, quite an intimate thing. Yeah. I tried thing, to isn't
2: meet it? them. I tried to meet them as well, you know, because I, so I you know, I genuinely try to, you know, I don't go in with the one with, with the one solution fits all. You know, it's very much trying to get a sense of who they are and what they're capable of and um and what they're up for. One of the one most recently most gratifying places I went through recently was some people who got in touch with me who had a an upside down solar house built in the eighties by one of the solar fanatics. Well maybe it wasn't a solar fanatic, but there was a solar fanaticism phase of architecture in the eighties.
1: Yeah. Like a passive solar. Is that what
2: you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was basically an upside down house with a sort of open plan living space upstairs with the most enormous wood burning Norwegian wood burning stove you've ever seen, like 15 kilowatt wood burning stove. Um, so they and didn't believe
1: too much in passive solar then.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. So the idea was there's a, there's a double story conservatory on the south face of it. Yeah. Originally it had, had loads of glass in the roof of the of the south facing roof as well. And um, yeah, it, it was just impossible. And these guys were finding, you know, it was freezing cold in the morning. But if you put the wood burner on, which you needed to do, or if you did it on a day when it was started out and it was cloudy or whatever, then, you know, that was great. But by half past nine, if the sun came out, you couldn't get rid of the heat. Yeah. So, and they wanted to know, you know, what can we do? And uh, they were retiring and, you know, the only solution was, was, was beyond them. And so that was the conclusion. It was difficult for me to write a report to say, I, don't, I think you shouldn't do anything. You should move out because. Wow. And that was, you know, that wasn't, you know, they give me enough to sort of say, well, you know, they had a couple of cats that they knew were going to get really disturbed by a really deep job. And what it needed was like a complete rethink. You know, it had to be pretty much pulled back down you Could put it down to the walls that were there. But the conservatory, conservatory roof was like slipping. The, the, they had been reglazed, double glazed, but they were kind of melting so the, right. the top piece the top piece of glass was delaminating from the from the seals the plastic was sort of melting inside and it was sliding down the roof so they had to do something about the roof and they were going to get the conservatory they were going to get that roof redone in not glass because that kind of made sense um and it had to be done but then i was like that then you're totally changing the, the house it's not, now no longer what it was and how's it going to work we don't know how it's going to work and So in the end, the recommendation was, you know, I think you should, I think, I I don't think there's anything that you can do that's really going to help without going very hard at it. And that's not what you want to do. Mm. So you're better off selling it, building yourselves a passive house, which is kind of what they were thinking about maybe doing, and selling it to somebody who either doesn't realise that or somebody who's going to be up for, you know, doing the big job.
1: That big commitment, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it is a really interesting, it is a really interesting sort of process uh, i had another lot who were lived in a listed i uh, had some Oast houses and i'd done them as a pair because the, the neighbor had got in touch and they were joined together and they thought well we'll do this together but they weren't up for it and you know and i thought so i'd say to them you know it's the same thing and i kind of this is what you can do if it's light and and kind of why would you bother hmm. <laughs> actually <laughs> I've, got, I've got a couple of cross comments from my you know my colleagues for it I said that to them, that but it's like you know they're retired they're probably not going to live there for more than five or so years let somebody else deal with it you know that let them enjoy that they they live with the windows open they like living with the windows open mm. you know i'm not going to tell them to not live with the windows open for the next five years but like that's how they want to ventilate you know if they if they do all the stuff that they need to do they're going to have to totally change the way they live and they don't really want to yes yeah. so, you know and they're not going to be there that long and it's how many listed buildings have we got really let's you know let's kind of let's focus on the stuff that we really need to focus on. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of that narrative going on. So something I've noticed in my house, I'm triple
1: glazed, uh, you know, airtight mostly. Uh, and a mate of mine phoned me up and he was in his van. In fact, it was Jamie who worked on, on your floor. Okay. Um, he phoned me up. He was in his van. He was doing a course and he was like camping in his van and I could hear the bird song. And it was sort of deafening all around him. And he went, mm. is there a bird song where you are? and i was lying in bed at that point it was like first thing in the morning and i went oh i don't know and i opened the window and went oh yeah there is and at that moment it hit me like oh i've shut myself off from this thing that i adore and i know you're a, a nature lover um yeah like how do you how do you feel about that
2: um well i opened the windows um a crack i mean it's got to the time of year now where i will open the windows at night anyway mm-hmm. um i i haven't done it yet but like we've had a particularly cold and not sunny april so this house thermally unbelievably massive like that that whole as conversation was interesting mm. um you know i knew, i knew i wanted a bit of thermal mass but um externally insulating meant that i've got all my thermal mass although i did take actually the cottage wall was across the middle of the house as well the existing original and we totally took that out and it's all gone back in studs so we lost some of it but we still got a hell of a lot of thermal mass so unless you're really careful here it gets warm quite quickly and you're holding on to that that heat and then it's it's very difficult to get hold of it yeah bit. um and it, it, it's not like it has a lot of it's not overglazed by any stretch of the imagination but um yeah you can't keep the doors shut when you've got two small children and it's summer you just can't so you know what you should do is just keep the whole place closed up in the summer but it's not practical Mm. um so yeah it it needs night purging in the in the summer um wife's very averse to noise so she doesn't like night purging so much um but, you know, I get as much of that done as possible. I, I am a huge bird lover. And actually, <laughs> I've just put some swift boxes in our gable end uh, into the polystyrene, which found me on Saturday afternoon hoovering my lawn um, <laughs> because because cutting swift box shapes out of polystyrene creates a huge amount of polystyrene mess. And I didn't really yeah, want to all over the place. Yeah, it was horrible. Um. So, yeah, and I've also bought – so we, we don't have nesting swifts in the area very much, um, and that's a, it's a big problem for the swifts, and they used to apparently, historically, they did nest around here. So I've got, like, a call box that, that um, makes swift noises. Oh, nice. And um, that kind of – it's on time for, sort of, two or three hours a day. It's a thing. I'm on a Facebook group, All Things Swift, and all, we're all waiting for them to arrive. They've got They're late here this year. I'm a big lover of swifts. So when I was in Manchester, there were some swifts there. And I, I, I genuinely used to cry. When they when they first came, when I first saw them or heard them, that scream that they make because they're they're here again. There's something like there's something about the cyclical nature of them. I, I remember once having the thought I'm probably only going to hear this another probably going to experience this this thing another forty times. You know, which is not many times, is it? You know, obviously mm. it's forty years, which is quite a long time. But if you you know, it's it's a few handfuls of times. And so there's something sort of sad about them. yeah, it sort of goes back to the, the Pasna thing about it the, the sort of change and things coming and going and, and accepting that that's what happens. So there's a bit of me that every time they arrives knows that they're leaving again, you know yeah, because they come for such a short space of time and they are just such magnificent birds. They're an incredible thing that you know they they sleep on the wing, you know they basically they only land to breed um and they're, you know, they're the fastest straight line flying bird on the, on the planet as well they just they're they're a freak of nature they're a complete freak of nature um yeah so to answer your question when i come down in the morning now i i, I crack a window open and um you know are you still heating no in your window a bit yeah you only all you have to do is crack the seal that's all you yeah. have to do and you, you can hear the bird song that's you
1: know? true. I mean, I, yeah, I've got a, just above my bed, I've got a, a Velux. Um, so yeah, I think that that will be what I do.
2: Yeah. I've, I actually did spend some time thinking about how it would put possible to do it I, I don't think it's really possible <laughs>
1: unless <laughs> you, know. you mic up outside and pump yeah and that's <laughs> wrong
2: isn't it that's just wrong <laughs> i wanted that to is... hear
1: the bird song so
2: yeah no that's you <laughs> might as well just you we might as well just have a recording of it on and, yeah and an air for, you know air freshener with forest smell because <laughs> that's the thing you don't want the, you don't lose with um mvhr um you know we we know what our neighbors are cooking <laughs> Yeah. You know, sometimes. And and you know, being in a rural area, like when they spread the fields. Yes. You definitely know about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you don't you don't get the sound in and it, it is it is sad. It is sad. But yeah, that's what I do. You know, sometimes you've just got to sacrifice. You know, it's again it's that purist thing. It's like, yeah. How how, how bad is this? And like, you know, I'm, I'm constantly shutting the door. It drives my wife mad. Because she wants to be able to. The kids are outside, and I don't. I don't do it even deliberately. It's not like oh, harumph, close the door. It's just force a habit, you know.
1: Yeah.
2: And she's like, I want to be able to hear what they're doing. You know, I want to be able. To hear, I want to stay in touch with them. I want to stay connected with them. I'm in here cooking. I want to hear them outside. I mean, it's partly because that one of them will pull the other one's arms and legs off if you're not, <laughs> if you're not listening. um So yeah and I, and I totally get that but i somehow can't sort of stop the habit of closing the door and i wish i could because it you know especially now it doesn't it doesn't matter anymore it really doesn't matter a bit you know oh yeah you get a bit of an overheating problem so what um i don't know if slam those triple glazed doors they are heavy heavy so heavy well so the kids like pushing them too they're they're only little but they so they kind of have to push them hard because they're little and then
1: wow <laughs> <laughs> well i'm glad that happens in your nice you know uh solid house as well yeah it? solid my, my, walls and you still I've got a frame and it's yeah it's but like, the whole thing rocks it does indeed yeah yeah, yeah. um i did want to know like what your favorite bit of your house is by the way.
0: we'll be back after a quick break
1: hey there i'm mick from the mick and pass show that's right, and I'm Pat. Looking for a podcast that's like catching up with the old friends? Well, you're in luck. We're here to bring you weekly doses of lifestyle commentary, discuss culture and politics, and top it off with the occasional beer and film reviews. But it's not just about us. We're a community. Our listeners are our kin, and we let you all have a say in what we discuss. So saddle up and join the conversation at the Mick and Pat Show. You can check out our website or find us wherever
2: you get your podcasts. It's so easy to forget, I think. You get so used to living like this. Um, and so it's usually when other people come over that it kind of, you notice it more um, and they haven't been coming over. But, you know, That's that, that yeah. stopped for quite a while, didn't it? Um, but if you walk into the house in winter, it's 20 degrees. And it's not like, I don't know, is it's not like a wall of heat that hits you it's just comfort Mm -hmm. and it's comfortable everywhere and you don't notice the heating ever being on you know i mean it's underfloor heating so that you know it's kind of inherent but you just you don't and it and it doesn't take much heating you know it's not i you know I, i do monitor it. i'm a complete geek for the for the monitoring but um it you know it doesn't take much heating it really doesn't and it's always comfortable pretty much everywhere I think I think that probably is the main the main thing. It's a bit um it's a bit of a problem <laughs> because you kind of get you get used to it. Mm. So you kind of become a bit of a softy because you know <laughs> you just you just always used to it. So that there is that kind of that also speaks to that sort of insular nature of kind of. But you know you do only keep it at twenty degrees, not at twenty one. A lot of people kind of like to heat to twenty one degrees and actually keep it a lot warmer than that just because they like it you know really warm but you just if you if your, warm's, if your walls are warm and your windows are warm you don't need you don't need to be keeping it to 21 and mm. the bedroom's only 16 17 often in the winter because there's no heating up there and i never i'm never cold in bed or anything you know yeah So the comfort is good the the, the mvhr again i just i love it i love the mvhr because it just gets on with it having said that i did just have a failure on it, it um I think it started making a horrendous noise. It did it very early on, very early on. And they sent me out new fans for it. Mm. Um, and then the noise went away. So I just put them in a the cupboard and thought well, that would be great when they fail because I expect those are really expensive. <laughs> and then it made started making loads of noise quite recently. And when I got inside it, the extract fan was just full of fur and gunk and the bearings had gone. Mm. And it clearly been full of water at some point. Right. Condensator drain had got blocked up and, and it had filled up and then the whole thing had sort of, sort of seized. So, you know, it's not that there are mechanical about without its problem. But I mean, I'm having this conversation at the meditation centre at the moment because we're about to build new buildings and all our buildings have got basically tiny little, tiny little one bedroom en suites. And they've all got an individual fan and we're supposed to get quiet, continuous fans when we put them in. And they're not, they never are. They just, they start out a bit quiet and very soon they're not quiet anymore. They fail all the time so mm. i think centralized ventilation accepting that we have to have mechanical ventilation which you have which you know i'm the press uh, yes
1: with. i'm, I'm is... yeah i'm it's i'm slightly the noise of mine is a slight uh, i i can hear it you know and i don't want to hear it no but you know they, I, where is I, it I, well, i've got one directly above me so sort of in the top of the gable and then I've got yeah. another one in the bathroom. Uh, I mean, the one in the bathroom is fine because it's, um, yeah, it's behind a shut door.
2: You don't, but you don't hear it in bed, which you, you sleep on top of the uh, bathroom. Yeah, right?
1: no, I don't. I don't hear it in bed.
2: Well, that's great. Um,
1: but yeah. you hear
2: it sort of sitting while you're working. And...
1: Yeah, sat on the sofa. It's, yeah, if I haven't got any background noise, I can I can yeah. hear it. And because it's one that changes direction, there's a sort of change oh. in pitch as it cha- yeah, it stops.
2: The oh, have you got one of those with the ceramic? Going. Yes. Yeah. Have you? Interesting. We were just um, Andy just sent out a thread about those because Alan, how much were they? Just no interest,
1: they were just less than, I think they were about eight hundred and fifty
2: for two. All right. Okay. Yeah. But you I need went, one in every room.
1: Well, I so I spoke to Greengage um and right. to Hannah. Is it? Yep. Yep. And um, and she said that. I could maybe get away with just one, but two would be better. Because I've got kitchen and bathroom, um, you know, the actual square meter, which is, is small, but because yep. there's a potential for, for lots of moisture from the kitchen. Yeah, bathroom. yeah, yeah. So, yes. um, Yeah. yeah. And I went for the, the Blauberg. Um, yeah. The, I forget what they're. Their range is called. that's
2: interesting yeah we were so we were having alan had tried to get hold of some a, a while ago actually probably when they were kind of first mooted mm. to try and test them but he, he thought that they, were, they basically turned out to be too expensive for him to be like playing games with yeah um but yeah so they kind of got a ceramic bit in them that they kind of gets heated up going out and then exactly yeah the big
1: big lump of ceramic with loads of little holes in it
2: yeah
1: um, and i yeah i'd love to know obviously you know there's all the uh the ratings that they're given but um as ez pointed out they're not like passive house certified or anything like that so no. yeah 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 there's some, some doubts
2: about their efficiency yeah yeah yeah
1: but then ez um, said that there's the um there is a passive house certified one which i've forgotten what it's called now um new new air or something like that uh that i i remember looking for when i was when i was speccing it but i couldn't find anyone to sell me one so um yeah, problem.
2: Yeah,
1: that's uh, yeah, a bit of a barrier.
2: <laughs> it is, isn't it? <laughs> it's a very big barrier, actually. Yeah. Um, and do you commission? Is it commissioned at a, a set rate?
1: Uh, I can like... change. I can alter it, and it's got a boost. Yeah, you know, it's got a humidity sensor in it that will boost. Yeah. Um, and you know various scheduling things and, and whatnot.
2: So I would turn it down. The mm. one that you bothers you. Turn it down until you start to get a problem.
1: Right. Uh, this was why I was asking on Twitter the other week about air monitors. Um, right. because I was thinking, you know, how far can I push it before yeah. I actually start to create create unhealthy uh living environment?
2: Did I did I answer that, thread? That you thread? did, yes. Yeah.
1: I I got so many answers of so many yeah. different options. Uh it was slightly
2: overwhelming. But um So, so I've um Right. Okay. Did you do anything about
1: it? I haven't yet. It's, it's kind of, it's on the list.
2: Right. I so I, the
1: house. Is, is yeah, sure. Priority. So I
2: mean, presumably what you're worried about there is, um, you're just worried about the CO2 because the yes. humidity you, you'll sort of find out about anyway. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: have you got a, presumably you've got a carbon monoxide monitor anyway, because yes. you've got a burning yeah, stoves yeah. anyway. Um, so yeah. Data logging um, is, is the nicest way of doing it, but it tends to be very expensive.
1: Mm. I mean, I'd love that because I'm I'm a total stats geek.
2: So. Oh, I'll lend you my CO2 monitor for a bit, mate. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Oh yeah, wow, yeah. I've you. got I've got I've got three. So yeah, you you can have you can have one of mine for a while. Oh,
1: that'd sure. be brilliant. And it's just I just need to know you know in in what situations is it an issue?
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So you can yeah, yeah. I'll send you. I've got one that's got a screen on it, so you can actually see what it is. Um. Yeah, and actually, and you don't need software to get the data out of it as well. You can; it goes into a spreadsheet. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah, I'll then you that for for a while, and then have a play with your fan. Yeah. Um. To see, you know, how low you can go, and how ha- happy you are with, you know. I mean, this is another fascinating. I don't know if you've done a podcast on CO two, but I've. This has been a Not. massive I So I've um. At the meditation centre, the ventilation issue has sort of come up because of, because of COVID. Right. Oh, of course, yes. So, um, yeah, and CO2 they use as a proxy for good ventilation, although it turns out that it's a bit more nuanced than that because um, good ventilation is moving shitloads of air around very, very fast, and that's not really very good if you've got one person with COVID sitting next to a lot of people who don't. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a bit of a balance that said if you've got really bad ventilation when your co2 is really high then that means that everybody's sitting in a soup of of whatever you know of everybody else's air yeah. yeah so that's kind of the other extreme and in fact one of the guys from green gauge did a really good webinar on this um so yeah i i started monitoring in fact i was monitoring co2 there a while ago um i think someone have you been to meditation center here, here yeah yeah so um where did you, where, where did you have it? Where did you room? Ooh. <laughs> Remember, uh,
1: it was uh, you had to walk along like a what looked like converted stables. Yeah, and then it was one on the the far as you sort of walked past. Okay, oh, so
2: that's the that's the farmhouse. That's the original house that was there. What they call red house. Apparently it used to be great parties there. One of my neighbours used to go to parties <laughs> there when it was a riding school. Just for girls, it was <laughs> apparently. Um, but yeah, that's that's the house. And I, I did some monitoring in there a long time ago actually, because were we getting mold problems in there? So I think we were getting mould problems in there. And you know, they've got fire doors on them and there's three people sleeping in one room mm. and the windows weren't open because it was in the middle of winter. So I did some monitoring and yeah, sure enough, the CO two was getting well up over two thousand in the night. And what's um, what's
1: the, the uh what's the consequences like? Because I know concentration is one thing, isn't it?
2: Yes, but interestingly, so I ended up doing quite a lot of looking into this um, because in the meditation hall, we have traditionally, the, the way that we ventilated is by purge, So we had passive ventilation. The deeper hall's got passive ventilation in it. The, the other one, the Padana hall, has got um, a mechanical purge. So, you shut it down, and in between each sit, some of these massive fans come on, and oh, everybody you know, has to get out because the noise is so bad. <laughs> it's <laughs> dark, it's completely dark. Um, but yeah, at, at Deeper, it was designed with a passive system, passive vent, these huge wind catchers on the roof, there's three of them. And they're supposed to let air in and let air out um, under all, almost all conditions. Hmm. But what happened quite quickly was, that, especially in winter, they just dump cold air down quite fast, particularly onto the teacher, particularly apparently onto the female teacher.
1: Right. So it was
2: just a real comfort issue for some people. So, very quickly, that wasn't what was ever done. They were always shut, especially in winter during group sittings and for long periods of time. And then between the sittings, 15 minutes, they get opened up and the doors get opened. And that's how we did it. But in the evening, you know, 120, 80 people are sitting in there for an hour for the group sitting, they go out for 10 minutes, they come back in, sit up for an hour and 20 minutes of discourse, go out for five minutes, come back in and sit in for 20 minutes for the end of the thing. So for kind of three hours, there wasn't like a decent purge period. You know, breakfast, you get an hour, lunch, you get an hour and a half, and it could get properly purged. And I've never, I have never never monitored it at that time, but I now having monitored it more with it pretty well ventilated, I suspect that in the evening people were sitting in several thousand ppm carbon dioxide. Wow. Is so, there
1: a, le- a level of safeness?
2: Is that the safe level? The safe safe levels are uh, are higher than that. It's like okay. ten thousand, thirty thousand, and and you start to like like serious serious problems. Like you know. yeah,
1: that's not being um, able to breathe levels. So
2: health and safety, the HSE aren't really interested at, at the levels, but there is now a lot of research. And it's quite easy to find. I can send you some some links on. There's quite a lot of research now that over a thousand things start to have an effect mm-hmm. um, and they so there's one 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 or two i think there's two studies that kind of repeat the same findings and they they use seven different cognitive measures and one of them it actually under sort of higher levels of co2 it gets slightly better and that is a single pointed kind of attention okay which bizarrely is exactly what you're trying to do when you meditate, or is it, yeah. at least in the tradition that you and I have done. Um, but they kind of liken that to how you can get like that when you're drunk. So like, I don't know if you've ever played um, computer games when you were drunk in the pub or something. You kind of like everything else just kind of goes mm. and you kind of go into a fog and you're like just that thing, that one thing Yeah, you can do that. So they kind of liken that it, to that. The other six functions get significantly worse. So drowsiness is a big problem. Drowsiness is the sort of most, most sort of well-documented problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an issue. And what I found in the rooms at Padana is uh, the other one, which is the en suite these. they had these continuous fans in them as built, but it became noisy and now people sort of switch them off and they're guided to switch them off and only put them on whenever showers. But they're relatively airtight rooms that don't have a really good cross flow um, and people sleep in there for seven, eight hours. So I put a monitor in there while I was in on my last course, not something I'd ever do again. <laughs> it's very <laughs> distracting. <laughs> and, I, and I unfortunately only put my monitor that, that kicks out at 2000 and goes up to 2000. Every night it was reaching 2000 by 11 All o'clock. Right. So I can only assume that by four o'clock in the morning it was three thousand, four thousand. 4000. And it does start to level out after a while because you're kind of saturating. But that means you're sleeping. So there is quite a lot of evidence that sleeping. In high levels of CO two, does not set you up for the day. Right. You know, you're not getting a good start to your day. Um, it, it you know it affects your ongoing cognitive function for the day ahead. So, and you know, this is a big cross problem across the country, and in, not into much in the older buildings with very poor air tightness, but in buildings which are slightly better. You know, conventionally built, let's say, air yeah. is of sort of five, six, whatever, um, with intermittent ventilation perhaps with trickle vents in windows often which have been closed and probably weren't adequate anyway people many people are probably sleeping in high levels of co2 kind of regularly so um it's yeah it's again it's you know it could be a podcast in itself because i think it's it's a very interesting subject and i'm really trying it's really difficult to try and change people's minds about this because you don't notice i think i notice in those rooms i think i never wake up sharp. Mm. I always wake up groggy, but it's not like really defined. I'm not waking up nauseous. I'm not waking up. Do you know what I mean? So for most people, they're like, what's the problem? They don't want to pay for a whole, ha- whole, whole building ventilation. They're suspicious of it. You know, and I just feel like I'm trying to use another way of convincing them of some balmy, low energy kind of, yeah. but um, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I've done the monitoring. I like, I, I don't like opening my window. A lot of people, they love opening my open window. I don't like opening my window. I like my comfort in the night. And yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm not big on opening my window. I like kind of that sort of secluded thing. I, I would have the fan on, but the fans are just, they're just too noisy. It's unbearable. I remember yeah. being in there in the early days, the fans were on and we weren't, we knew, I knew we weren't supposed to turn them off. I remember sitting a 20 day course there and the noise of the fan sort of trans you know you're not speaking to anybody or talking to anybody for 20 days so you kind of do get down some rabbit holes Mm. the kind of noise of the fan kind of transformed into the sound of like a vast distant welsh choir (laughs) repeating the the final phrase of a of some vast orchestral piece over and over again like the last cadence they call them like the last ending bit just over and over again you can't get to sleep that is not what you need so no the fans go off now <laughs> the fans are <laughs> off you know so I, I think next time i sit across there i'll have the window open much as i don't you know i don't you know i, I like i want to have the heating on but the radiator is right next to the window you don't want to have the window open it's totally counterintuitive you know built these nice low energy buildings and this is the conundrum of low energy buildings build tight ventilate right you know it's it, we, we are reliant on good quality quiet Continuous ventilation. It's it's a must. And it's it's an unfortunate must, but it's a must.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: That's brilliant. Thank you, Gervais. Gervais did indeed send me a carbon dioxide monitor. And uh, the first day I plugged it in, I went to bed. And when I woke up in the morning, came down and checked it. And it was at 4,000 parts per million, uh, which is a lot. And I realized that in plugging in the, uh, the sensor, I had unplugged my ventilation. So... A very good lesson in why you need ventilation in uh, an airtight building. It's really fun to dial in my uh, my ventilation system and uh, and work out what I can get away with. Although, I think I said previously, since I got my new fridge, the sound of the ventilation is not very loud at all. Perhaps it's not so, uh, so much trouble to have it running slightly higher. Anyway, that's a big waffle for me uh thank you again for listening thank you especially to gervais for giving up three hours of his time a reminder that there is the patreon competition Uh, i think you can name your price yeah support the podcast help pay for some of the uh the ongoing running costs uh and of course please share this episode please share the podcast say something nice about it uh get your friends listening and that would help me out as well great big love until next time